Okay, here we go. Second time we're doing this live, I believe. We're introducing sure. a new thing going on here at Upward, and uh, we just want to get together and talk a little bit about the sermon Sunday and see what you thought. Do I get a thumbs up, a thumbs down? Do I? Do we do thumbs in the middle too? Kind of like. You know, from the Gladiator movie, just kind of probably shouldn't. Oh, okay. probably shouldn't. I probably should go thumbs up. <laughs> just thumbs up, everybody. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Great job. Way to go. <laughs> Nothing else to say. The most friendly crowd we've ever had. Yeah, great. <laughs> we seriously want to dive a little deeper. We want to answer some questions. If you're watching, we welcome your questions online, in person. If you can get in person, I guess uh, where would they get questions to us in person? I don't know. Well, good. <laughs> you could probably just comment on this video, and then next week we could talk about it. That's right. That's kind of, yeah. That's an idea. Yeah, you could comment on this video, any questions you have. And uh, no, that wouldn't work, because they haven't heard the next sermon yet. Maybe they just got questions. Uh, once again, this introduction was terrible, so uh, we're working on it, folks. Bear with us. We're going to make it through and have a good introduction at some point. Okay, guys. Go. That's it. That's it. That's what we're going. This it. is not scripted. Yeah, obviously. It's not. So we're in week two of Peace on Earth, kind of walking back through the Christmas story. Um, and uh, just a couple things that, that kind of stuck out to me. You know, last week we even kind of introduced this video as we were talking about what it is exactly that we mean when we talk about peace. And we kind of reference back and forth between a biblical perspective of what it means to have peace versus somebody who may be an unbeliever and where they're kind of coming out with peace. You said a couple of statements in the intro of the message yesterday that I thought really helped set the standard and really uh, drove home answering those questions there. You said this, and it's really a kind of a different thought process on peace. You said peace is not passive, peace is powerful. Um, yeah. When we when we kind of when I when I thought about peace, I thought about being able. And you, I think you even used the phrasing. It's not just going with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of I'll be honest with you. I kind of kind of lean back into that sometimes. Like you know, peace is just being able to be comfortable with whatever is kind of going on. That at the end of the day, everything's going to be okay. But you kind of you went off of that, but then you dove headfirst into it. Said you know, it's not just passive, but peace is a powerful concept. Can you explain that a little bit further? Well, I, I went back to the story of Jesus. You know on the boat with the disciples, the storm's blowing, the storm's raging, and uh, he's sleeping, which is a big thing anyway. Sure. I'm typically not going to be sleeping during turbulence or something like that. He's asleep. And then he just gets up and he speaks peace. His peace overtook the storm. Mm-hmm. Often it's in the reverse for us. You right. know, the storm overtakes our peace, but his peace overtook it, you know. He, he made peace happen. I, I also think, I heard somebody say once that there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yep. And, and I think the distinction they drew was that a peacekeeper just always does everything he can to keep everybody at bay and everybody happy and circumstances smooth, you know, just kind of tries to keep the peace, so to speak. Right. A peacemaker seems to me there's a little more force to that, that there's a little more, yeah, they, they brought peace to this situation. Hmm. Peace is really powerful. I mean, it was after that episode in the boat, you know, when the disciples said uh, they looked around and they'd been with Jesus a while, you know, they uh, had seen some things happen, some yeah. crazy stuff, but uh, 
it was after that that they looked at each other and said, what manner of man is this sure. that the winds and sea obey him? It's almost like they said, who are we in the boat with? I mean, hmm. that's just, it's so powerful and it's peace that did that. You're saying that, and it kind of triggers something to me. You know, this series and learning what it means to be able to have peace isn't just about us being able to experience peace, but it's about us being able to take peace into other situations. It's not about us just being able to experience it, but also bringing it uh, everywhere uh, that we go, every situation that we step foot in, whether it be in our homes or our jobs or wherever, that we're able to to bring the peace of Christ into those into those circumstances. Absolutely, it's not about just us. You know, having it inside of us for our benefit. Yeah. It's it's about exactly what you said, changing environments with what's inside of us. Mm. That's good. I like that. Well, and I love that moment on the boat with Jesus, I think. I think a lot of times, this is my personal, whatever you want to call it, perspective. I'm not sure Jesus was even asleep. I think he was just waiting to see how they respond. You think he's respond. got the one eye thing going on the, right, right there? Right he's like happened. pretending that he's asleep and down there with the one eye open. <laughs> like seeing how they're going to respond and they did not do well. And I think the point he was hoping they would get is like, I'm literally in the boat with you. Hmm. And I think they learned that that day. And I think that that, that should hopefully help us like, when we walk into those situations, not literally a storm, but go, Jesus, Jesus is right here. He's in the boat. It's all right. Yeah. And I think there's a huge amount of peace that comes with that. Even if it seems like he's asleep. Yeah, exactly. How many times have we been through it? You know, mm -hmm. I've been a Christian a long time and a pastor a long time, and I still encounter situations. I'm in a minor one right now, and I'm like, God, I really need you to do something here, and I believe you want this done, so come on now. You know, it just feels that way so many times. Mm -hmm. But he's there, and he's directing it. Yeah. And at the right moment, he's going to speak to it. That's good. I like that. And so the idea here that, that we're walking around and through this, this journey of peace, and you took us this week into looking, looking at this, uh, this Christmas story from Joseph's perspective. And really focused in on Luke chapter 2, verse 7. You said this, uh, or scripture says this. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And so taking that, that one verse of scripture right there and looking at things from, from Joseph's perspective. Uh, and, and you kind of camped out on Joseph uh, for a little bit, talking about his role as a father. Um, I mean, I, just personally, as a dad, man, this whole idea of being a father man. Growing up, that's one thing I always wanted to be. I always wanted to be a dad. And so the day when it finally happened, it was this life-changing experience for me. But it happened in a way that pretty much I would have anticipated that it would happen, right? It was uh, it was me and my wife, and we got, got blessed with you know two beautiful girls. That didn't necessarily happen for Joseph. This is not this is not going down the way that he that he would have dreamed or thought that everything was going to come into play. Not at all. So much is different about this. Joseph and Mary, in a very real sense, weren't even married yet. Right. You know, they had not uh, been intimate with each other, which is really the consummation of a marriage. They were not until after Jesus was born. That's one thing there. He really wasn't married to her mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, he, he, he knew that he was not the biological father here. You know, he had to deal with that. You had brought that up to me last week, how that was another odd thing with Joseph that he could have felt left out of the story because, you know, the natural course of things, 
there is a biological father. Right. So he was called to this very unique role of being his legal father and his guardian, and in so many ways his father, except for the biological part, you know. And uh, that, that would have been an odd place to be in. And then to walk into this story that's so messy and so so violent. And I mean, yeah. I, I did not, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I was there for the birth of my son, but he wasn't under a death threat sure. when we took him out of the hospital. I talked yesterday about driving home from the hospital, but uh, my son wasn't being stalked by the, authority of the day the king to be killed i mean there's so much going on there that you see the beautiful little nativity scenes i know i keep saying that you just you can really miss the pain and the violence of that story mm -hmm. you think about you think about joseph and the calling that was on that was on his life and i think there's something to be said too about the calling that's on uh, a father's life or a dad's life, and you you kind of spoke a little bit to that from a from a manhood's uh, you know perspective about hey man let's not be afraid to be men and step into our God given role. Yes, um, there's also a special calling I think upon fathers you know to step up and actually be a dad regardless mm -hmm. of what your circumstance or your scenario looks like. Um, whether it's you know biological or maybe not bio, I mean we got you know lots of families that we have uh, that we know of that you know that kind of have inter intertwined in there as, as well with their different perspectives and different uh, ideas of what family looks like. But man, there's a calling upon dads to step up and help raise uh, godly children, for that matter. And it's a huge need in our world. Yeah. I think the a huge part of the problems in society today stem in large part from fatherlessness. There are just a lot of young men out there who never had a dad that taught them how to be a man, you know? And I think what happens is they, they tend to go to one extreme or another with that if they don't learn how to be a man, mm. you know? Yeah. You can go one direction and kind of lose the sense of what being a man is altogether, you know? You can go in another direction and become this violent, uh, run over people type of thing you know right you hear a lot about toxic masculinity and that that term is really abused uh, a lot sure i think there is a direction a man can go to where what he perceives to be masculinity can be toxic oh absolutely sure but in the face of fatherlessness young men just do not know they don't have an example mm -hmm. of how to be a dad you know and then they as much as they don't want to do it they will start fathering their children in the way they were fathered, it's almost innate. You just do what you saw, yeah. you know, unless something changes and that something is Christ. Yes. It's the scriptures, is biblical teaching about what it means There's to be our a example and a father, yeah. you know. And that's not meant to malign anybody that struggles with that. There's tremendous mercy there. Oh, absolutely. Father wounds are so real, you know, and people struggle with those, but... Joseph certainly was in a in a unique position in history. Nobody else experienced what he or Mary experienced. Right. And, and I just wanted, this verse didn't even mention Joseph, but when I read it and began to study it, I just started thinking, how would Joseph have felt about these circumstances? Yeah. And that's what could have stolen his peace. And, and you kind of, you, you really dove into that, talking about the two, uh, really the two voices that that could have spoken into his life and oftentimes speak into our lives as well that try to rob us of our peace and uh, one of those statements was the idea that you're not good enough um, and 
I don't know a person that I've ever encountered that has not struggled in some sense with that lie speaking in their speaking in their own mind about not being good enough. Man, I uh, just personally, man, I struggle with that. Uh, I still struggle with that if I'm honest about it. Um, and you know, whether it being a parent or a husband or at my job or you know any other you know hundred other aspects of life of trying to battle through that. Um, the idea of just you're not you're not good enough and hearing that voice and then trying to combat that voice um, And so I thought what you did yesterday was powerful to take you know I, I think you really took some spiritual ground uh, for people's lives kind of uh, Stepping up taking authority over over that over that moment and really beginning to help people to find some freedom uh, in that as well um, I thought that was really powerful for us powerful for me, and I think I think it was something uh, special about that idea too because not oftentimes can we just counsel our way out of it or just talk our way out of it? There has to be some spiritual uh, authority taken in those scenarios. Yeah. You know, going into this message, I, I finished it on Thursday and walking into it, I just had this sense of this one's going to be different. Mm. This one is not just going to be teaching that I felt like God had called me in those environments the three times I was going to deliver that message. To, to really take authority over these things as, as, as their pastor yep. to help them deal with that, you know. And, and I really had a sense of that Thursday night and then had an even stronger sense of it at 9.30 and 11 on Sunday. It just really hit hard that that's what God was doing, you know. And uh, in all those services, it was like I was called to do that mm -hmm. and I knew it, you know. And I'll have to say I got more response from that that message and that experience the three that we had I had more response for that just in the first day afterwards right. than, than in recent memory I wow. can't remember a time that people uh, people who have my phone number texting me people online you know uh, people who watch it online and in person uh, texting me throughout the afternoon and into the night yesterday saying how that time really meant something to them personally. Yeah. And I was really blessed by that. So Good. I do think we took some new ground yesterday. I really do. Yeah. I think uh, some days in church you feel like we survived, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like some days everything wants to go wrong and it's like it's it's survived this somehow salvage the technical glitches or the people problems or whatever it is we've had. It's like, okay, we made it through a Sunday. Some Sundays I feel that way. Other Sundays you feel like, yeah, we, we rung the bell today. We had a good day. It was adequate for everything. And then there are days like yesterday, this weekend, Thursday and Sunday, that I, I, I told you this yeah. afterwards. I felt like we took some new ground. Yeah. I feel like the, the church body grew yesterday mm -hmm. in some ways. We gained something. So... That's, that's fun to see. It really is. Those days feel better than the days when you just... Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, but that's normal. Yeah. I, that, that whole concept of Joseph to me is... I don't want to say it gets overlooked a lot, but I, maybe I do want to say that. Like, I think we, it's easy to jump to Jesus, obviously, because it's Christmas, and to jump to Mary. But then as a dad, I go, hey, let's talk about Joseph for a minute. <laughs> like, he could have walked away so easy. Yeah. Like, he could have just been like, I'm out. And really his whole story to me, like the power of his story is just faithfulness. And I don't know, I just, I feel like, I feel like that might be all I really know about Joseph, is that he was faithful and he was obedient and he showed up where he was supposed to. And I think as a dad, there's a challenge in that. Like, I might not do all these grand things, but I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to show up. 
where he's called me to, and I'm not good enough. <laughs> but that's that's the most beautiful thing about the gospel to me is I'm not good enough. Um, so that lie that that you know the enemy tries to speak of you're not good enough. For me, my answer to that has always been not always has turned into. <laughs> um, you know what? You're right. But I'm good enough with him. Um, so being able to take what he meant for evil and turn that into into good is awesome. That's part Joseph of the, highlights that. I think part of the appeal and the reason we got the response we did is that lie is so universal. Both of them that we talked about are so universal to people that they feel like, you know, I failed in this area. You'll go down this rabbit trail sometimes of what could I have done differently mm-hmm. in situations. I want to say this to y'all and to the people listening. There's always something you could have done better in yeah. hindsight. Yeah, like the intro to this video. That could have been much better. Yes. And other things. But just any time you look back, you're going to say, I could have done different. I could have done better. That's just normal. Anybody with a second chance can do anything better and improve on it. Think about their moments in life, you just don't get that chance to go back and edit it and repeat it. So give yourself some grace and mercy. Do the best you can do in every situation. The other thing I'd love to say about Joseph is this. When when he found out Mary was pregnant, he initially did not believe it. Right. Bible's really clear. He did not believe her story, right? And an angel came to him in a dream and told him it was true. It would have been so easy for Joseph to have built up this narrative of bitterness in his mind. He could have built up this whole story. And I'm sure that's the way the enemy does us. We, we, we have an opportunity to be offended, right? And then we build up this whole narrative. I've done this myself recently, you know, and had to just deal with it. You build up this whole narrative. Oh, they hate me. I'm no good. Uh, nobody loves me. Uh, they did wrong, this and that and the other. And you build up this whole narrative and you keep telling yourself that story and your heart gets dirty. Mm-hmm. Joseph just allowed the Lord to dismantle any narratives he had that kept his heart dirty. And Joseph actually, he was able to walk into this whole relationship and this whole situation, I believe, with a clean heart. And that allowed him to be that faithful guy. Yeah. You know? uh, he's, a, he's a Bible hero. He's one of the least talked about true heroes mm-hmm. in the scripture. I've always wondered why, like why didn't they just, the angel get Mary and Joseph together and they have a meeting, <laughs> make that decision together and then go, no, this is what's happening, Joseph. And he got on board. I think that's, that's yeah, it God's plan again is always perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do that all the time. Well, God, you know, I could have helped you with this a little bit. <laughs> exactly. yeah. If you just had it together the first time, we could have solved a whole lot of this. This, this whole deal, efficiency is not God's highest priority. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. doing it the way that seems most efficient to us is not God's priority. Yeah. His plan is, he, he, he sees so much more than we see and knows so much more. And that statement is so uh, beneath what we're <laughs> His thoughts are so far above our thoughts and ways above our ways that we cannot even comprehend it. Right. Mm. Well, you know, the the first lie that we brought out yesterday was you know you're not good enough. The second one was is that you don't belong, um, and kind of going back going back and really wrestling with uh, a rejection. They were rejected as they were going through the town of Bethlehem. They, nobody had room for them. Uh, 
and uh, you know they they had no place to go, had no place to be, and so they end up having this baby in, in a place that nobody would ever want to try to have any kind of child, or <laughs> nobody would want to sleep, much less much less actually give birth to a baby or anything like that. And so there is this idea that hey, you're not welcome in this town. Your 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 child isn't welcome here. Your family's not welcome here. And so you you really spent a lot of time yesterday helping us to walk through. Uh, battling against a spirit of rejection and drawing a line in the sand over something that doesn't go right versus somebody rejecting you as an individual. Yeah. Everybody has that experience, I think, of a door being shut in their face, mm -hmm. a promotion they didn't get, an opportunity that they missed, a, a breakup that broke their heart, a failed relationship. I think just about everybody has experienced some level of rejection and, and it can just cling to you. It can just stick with you. And I said yesterday, it's a spirit. I believe it's a demonic spirit that just attaches itself to people when they've been rejected and they carry it around. And then it becomes like self-fulfilling. That spirit brings more rejection, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, that is so real. When a door's been shut in your face and you felt unwelcome, there's a wound that comes with that. Right that if you don't get it healed, it can kind of define your life. And uh, that's so deep and such a dark thing that people have to walk through. And I really just wanted to proclaim liberty to people yesterday. You know, Jesus said it, you know, I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives and I wanted his word to set people free. Another thing that happened yesterday, and it's just one of those things that happens, it's a total God thing, it's not planned at all, is, is that this just almost just came out of my mouth yesterday. It was not even pre-thought. It came out yesterday to say some of you have never felt safe anywhere. Right. That just came out, and when it came out, it hit me like a ton of bricks, literally. That's the cliche, but that's what it felt like. It felt like I had just hit a wall where God said, whoa, that is me stop right here for a minute, take yep. a breath and let that sink in. Yep. It's almost like God just took my mouth for a second and said something that I did not <laughs> intend to say. And that landed on some people because I really felt in the moment like this is for some people, you know. Right. You've never felt safe. And the nativity scene was a very unsafe place. Yep. There's people coming yep. after you. You're out in the, you know, you're exposed. You know, after the service yesterday, after the 930, I won't tell their whole story because it was private, but a group of people had visited Upward yesterday, a small group, mm -hmm. but a group of people had come from out of town and they told me their story and they were, one of them was weeping and the others had tears. Yeah. One of them was just weeping because they told me their situation and they had just walked out of a very unsafe situation oh, wow. and were trying to find peace. And that word from God was for them. Wow. And I said, look, God just... God basically called your name today and said, I know where you are. And yeah. that's how they felt. Mm. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit do for us. Yeah. They open people's hearts by saying, you know, I don't know which, I don't know which gift that would fall under. Maybe it was a word of knowledge. I, I assume with me it would be the gift of the word of knowledge that just hit yesterday and, yeah. and a knowledge of someone's situation, you know. And uh, that just really minister to those people to say, God, wow, I came all the way up here. They'd driven an hour to get to church from mm. another city. Yeah. And uh, God was there and said, I know, I know who you are. I know wow. what you're dealing with. 
I just thought that was so powerful. Yeah. But I knew it when it came out. Yeah. It was like, wow, this was not planned at all. There's, there is something to be said for the safety and security that comes in uh, that relationship with Christ, being, a, being in his, his perfect plan, being able to experience that perfect peace. That is that constant reminder, whether it comes through, uh, you know, a pastor on a platform, or whether it comes from a from a close friend, or whether it comes from His Word, that gives you that security. That hey, I'm I'm with you right now. Kind of going back to the boat. I'm 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 with you with what you're going through right now, and you can have my peace to know that you can take the next step. I'm studying through Psalms 91 right now personally. Mm-hmm. And that'll probably become a sermon series. That's usually how it works. Yeah, right. just my heart. We'll get, we'll get and, ready for uh, that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get ready. Probably 2023, we're probably going to do a series on Psalm 91. And as I'm reading through it, there's so much about dwelling and abiding. It says, you know, if you, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you'll abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And there's two places, or one place where it says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. And the whole psalm is about get inside this room, if you will, and inside this room, evil can't get to you hmm. when you're there. You know? Yeah. It, it's so bold to say, and I know I'm off, maybe I'm off topic, maybe I'm not, but it's so bold to say, you've made the Lord your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you in this place. Hmm. That's quite a statement. So I'm minding out what that is, but that's safe. That's where you're safe. That's where you're safe. Yeah. That's where you're safe. Uh, now we know bad things happen sure. to Jesus. Yeah. And if anybody was in the secret place, he was. No evil can actually do you harm in that secret place, you know. And and you say, well, they killed Jesus. They did, but they didn't hurt him. Right. They didn't hurt him. Yeah. They can do things to destroy the body. They can't hurt me. Yeah. You. You know. It's good. That's good. I look forward to that sermon series. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. That'll be at least a few months out. That's I think. right. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'd say just, and this just hit me as you were talking about it, like thinking of that lie of I don't belong. I mean, even when you're talking about it, I go, maybe it's not belong, deserve is maybe the word I would, I don't know that I deserve to belong in that place, to dwell in that place. Yeah. And I know it. Yeah. And again, I know I don't. But I, I mean, and I don't have any deep thoughts on it other than that's just... That's it. I can, I can feel, I, that's how I feel about it. Like, I feel that way about that. Belonging in that situation and that peace. I don't know that I even, I don't deserve to live, be in that place and dwell in that place. That's a real part of it. As a leader sometimes, be honest with y'all, and you've probably experienced it as well, there have been people who I was leading, maybe even on the team, that I'd worked so hard to make them feel welcomed, you know, tried to make them feel welcome, did everything I can, and still, no matter what you do, they feel like an outsider, they feel excluded. That's part of that spirit. I'm not saying everybody struggles with that as a spirit, but, but that spirit does that wherever it's allowed to dwell. No matter what you do, you can have them to your house, take them out to dinner, be in a connect group with them, whatever, they just don't have the ability to connect. You know, we see people like that at Upward, just like every other church. They're with us for two or three months, and then they're gone. Right. And they're back, then they're gone. There's something there that just will not allow them to connect long term. 
and it has to be broken, and it is through Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we came to the end of the message yesterday, and you kind of gave us those next steps uh, for us, mm. and you know said, okay, well, what, you know, what did Joseph do? Uh, you know, that, that kind of helped him to walk through, continue to have his peace as he was walking through this scenario, and uh, you know, not to oversimplify it, but it was trust in his plan. You know, keep trusting in the perfect plan that, that that Jesus has for you. And sometimes that's difficult. We all we all recognize that. That's not always an easy place. It probably wasn't an easy place for Joseph either. But I mean, to ultimately come back to God still got a, got His plan at a at work here, and I'm just going to trust in whatever that is. Sometimes that's just your only choice. Yeah. I mean, uh, your only right choice. Yeah. Uh, you can get bitter when you don't understand. You can fight against it. You can try everything, and sometimes the things you try are more destructive than than just sitting still. Right. Sometimes there's. At least once, probably a couple times in the scripture where it says, stand still yep. and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still, stand still. be still yep. and know that I am God. There's times you just got to be still and trust. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's very good. It's good. Well, I think we got a couple questions that have yeah. come through over the course yeah. of the week. Uh, yeah. Matt's got one of them. We'll let him read that one. We invite their... Uh, Listeners' questions, yeah. We, yeah, I know we, we were joking. <laughs> we joked about it earlier about where in the world to send the questions to. You can comment on this video, and we'll get them uh, the next week. Uh, you can also send them to our email address. You can go to web at ucf.cc, and you can submit your questions there. Yes, yeah. love it. Yeah, this one's from Kelly. Uh, she wrote it in last week's uh, on the video there, but she just said, my question is this. What what do you do when others are trying to rob you of your peace and you slip up and let them? What can you say to that person to stop them in that moment and then you both have peace? Well, a uh, couple things jump out to my mind. Uh, you've got to, first of all, be concerned with your peace and you are the only person you can really decide peace for. Mm-hmm. There's no way when you're, if another person chooses to be at peace with Jesus, they can get there, but you can't bring them there. I don't think there's anything you can do to determine the peace that's in their heart. You know, I think there's everything you can do with Jesus to determine the peace you have in Him inside of you. And then you can offer that to them. You know, you can offer to be at peace with them. And whether they choose to accept that or not, you can walk away from that with peace. I hope that answers the question. Do you yeah. think it does? Is that what they're asking specifically? I, I just... I think so. I heard what can I do that yeah. we both can be at peace. Yeah. and. Oftentimes, you being at peace is the the uh, catalyst to yeah. that being able to happen and should be able to happen. Yeah. But I don't want anyone, I don't want Kelly to bear any sort of false responsibility that it's my job that they have peace as well every time. Right. We did say peace is powerful and yeah. it changes environments and it can be a catalyst for them. Ultimately, people, if they want to walk in peace long term, have to receive it for themselves. Yeah, I think peace is, I think it can be contagious. But yeah. I think it's a continuous peace that when people see that peace over time, it's not like, oh, I was peaceful during this one encounter we had. And yeah, that's a good way. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to have, uh, it could happen, but probably as life goes on in, in a normal situation, it's going to take some time. That right. you, you are just a peaceful person. Mm-hmm. You have the peace and conflict doesn't stick with you. Mm-hmm. And peace doesn't mean that that conflict gets resolved in a nice little boat either. I mean, you know, peace peace means that I have 
I've walked this thing out and I've done the best that I possibly can. And I, and I feel like I've honored God. I've honored myself. I've honored others in the process. But it doesn't necessarily mean that at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're all best friends and everything is kumbaya and apple pie and everything else. I mean, peace just simply means that, you know what, the circumstances, I've walked it out the best that I could. And I've, and I've got a sense inside of me that knows that I've done the best that I can. I heard Andy Stanley, I read him talking about his relationship with his father. Mm -hmm. His father was a very successful pastor and you know, you, we all know what Andy Stanley's done uh, in his work for the Lord, you know, so they're well-known, uh, highly influential men, father and son, and they went through a season of conflict in their own relationship. I mean, they, they, there were family problems, there were uh, church misunderstandings and conflict between the churches and things that they tried to avoid but they just couldn't get over it. And I remember Andy Stanley said this. He said, we had a, I believe it was a standing lunch appointment. Like every Thursday, we'd go eat Mexican food. They just decided every Thursday we're going to the Mexican restaurant and we're just going to keep going. And they weren't really, it seems like the conflict was still there. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, it's like cleaning out a closet. There's just one thing at a time you clean out and you deal with, you know. And, and eventually they got some resolution at least. I, I, I guess maybe complete resolution. I can't remember the full end of the story, but what impressed me the most that stuck with me is just that they, they were committed to the relationship mm -hmm. and they yep. kept talking yep. through it. And sometimes it takes that. Yep, that's, a, that's good. That's good. Uh, another question that we had came from Sue, and Sue just asked if we could remind her and everybody else about the verse of Scripture that we've been memorizing uh, at, through the end of this sure. series. Sure, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. There you go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. That's it. Powerful, Sue. Memorize that. Say it a lot. It'll bless your life. That's what we're doing through this series, kind of as our next step, our action step coming at the end of the series is that uh, being able to have that word hidden in our hearts mm -hmm. so that each day we're walking that out and we can bring that back to memory. So there you go. memorization of scripture as a whole will become more part of upward going forward than it has been in the past. And God's been laying that on my heart and I think it'll be more. We'll be doing that more. I like it. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> <laughs> Get the app, get the app. Get the app, get the app. <laughs> All right, well, I there think... There is a group on the app that I've started. Uh, it's uh, very, very small right now, but uh, there is a group. Okay, well, then uh, if you've got the app, then maybe you can look for Pastor Andy's group and he'll add you on there. The best thing, we might be able uh, to put up a uh, screenshot or something of what the app actually looks like. Yeah. It's Bible Memory app, but there's a number of them, and people sure. have been asking me which one is it, and the... The easiest way I know is to show them the, the icon for the app. So maybe we can do that. Okay. We will get on that. All right. I think that kind of wraps us up uh, for this week. Uh, thanks for hanging in there with us today. I uh, hope this is enjoyable to you. And that uh, if it is, uh, feel free to share it. Uh, write your questions in. Let us know so we can get those ready for next week as well. Anything else you want to say? I enjoy this time. So good to be able to sit down with you. Thankful for two guys who are great fathers and great leaders and uh, very insightful. So, love it. Thank you. Love Thanks you. to the folks watching as well. Anything you want to add? Nope. All right, great. <laughs> I'm at peace with that. You're at peace with that. Peace. <laughs> we'll see you next week, guys.